This is the Scottish Football Citizen, bringing you the best of Scottish football from the past. I'm Andy Kerr, and this week I'm joined by Jim Orr and Lindsay Hamilton as we take a look back at Scotland's second time competing at a World Cup Finals tournament in Sweden in the summer of 1958. This is part two of our series about Scotland at the World Cup. Before we get started with this week's podcast, we have a weekly trivia question for you. Scotland's women's team recently defeated Cyprus 10-0 in an international qualifier, but what is the record win for the men's team? We'll give you the answer at the end of the podcast. Following a shambolic World Cup campaign in 1954, where an ill-prepared Scotland delegation travelled to Switzerland, Scotland were looking to qualify for the next tournament and have a much better go at it. In Switzerland, Scotland had received a tough draw against Austria and the then world champions Uruguay, losing 1-0 and 7-0 respectively. The 1950s was a strong decade domestically for the Scottish game, with plenty of competition for all three major trophies, and the Scotland fans were hoping their players would have a much better chance this time around. The 1958 tournament was to be held in Sweden, and to qualify, Scotland were drawn into a group containing Spain and Switzerland. Only the top spot in the group would qualify. This differed from 1954, where the Home Nations Championship was used as a qualifying group, and it was just as well for Scotland, as the Championship was shared by England and Northern Ireland. Scotland drew 1-1 with Northern Ireland at Windsor Park Belfast, courtesy of a Graham Leggett goal, and also drew 1-1 at Hamden against Wales, with Bobby Collins scoring for Scotland. The crunch match at Hamden against the old enemy was a day to forget for Scotland, as they were beaten 4-0 by England, who had been shaken by the Munich air disaster in February of 1958, where several England internationals were either killed or injured in this tragedy. One of those injured players, Bobby Charlton, scored for England on what must have been a cathartic day for him. England's other goal scorers were Brian Douglas and Derek Kevin, who scored twice. The English finished on four points, as did Northern Ireland, and the championship was shared. Thankfully for Scotland, their qualification group for the World Cup started on a much better note as they beat Spain 4-2 at Hamden. Luis Suarez and Laszlo Kubala's goals for Spain couldn't match a John Huey penalty and a Jackie Moody hat-trick to give Scotland a vital two points. Scotland then travelled to Basel to face the Swiss, where they ran out 2-1 winners at St Jacob Park thanks to goals from Jackie Moody and Tommy Ring. The following week, Scotland travelled to the famous Bernabeu Stadium in Madrid to play Spain. Unfortunately, the Hamden heroics of the first match against the Spanish could not be repeated as the home side won 4-1 against the Scots. Gordon Smith was the scorer for Scotland on that day as Enrique Mateos, Laszlo Kubala and Estanislao Basora put goals past Tommy Younger. This would mean that the final match against Switzerland at Hamden was a must-win if the Scots were to qualify for Sweden. Archie Robertson opened the scoring in this match, only for Ferdinando Riva to equalise shortly afterwards for the Swiss. 
Going in level at half-time, Jackie Moody scored for Scotland not long after the restart and Alex Scott added a third with 20 minutes to go. There was controversy as the Swiss argued that Scott's goal was offside, but Reg Leaf, the referee, allowed the goal to stand. Roger von Lanthen's goal, with just over 10 minutes remaining, made things slightly perilous for the home side, but Scotland held on to win the match 3-2 and secure the qualification. Spain could not catch Scotland, who would be going to Sweden in the summer of 1958. Following the appointment of Andy Beattie as Scotland manager in 1954 and his resignation halfway through Scotland's World Cup that year, the SFA had reverted back to having a committee choosing the team. They decided to appoint Matt Busby ahead of the tournament in Sweden, who would be able to combine his duties at Manchester United alongside the national team. However, disaster struck in February 1958 when the plane carrying the Manchester United squad crashed on the runway in Munich, leaving many dead and others such as Busby seriously injured. Busby would be unable to fulfil his duties in the dugout, so the SFA turned to their trainer, Dawson Walker, to take charge while Busby was recovering. He would select the players who would make it to the tournament. Unlike the previous tournament, when Scotland had been allowed an 18-man squad but selected only 13 players, so as the SFA committee and their wives could travel, Walker was able to pick 22 players to select his teams. Out of the 22 players selected, 12 had earned less than 10 caps for Scotland. However, there was plenty of talent in the squad that gave Dawson Walker a much better chance of qualifying than Andy Beattie's team had four years previously. While the 1954 tournament had an unusual seeded format for the groups, the 1958 tournament in Sweden was much more straightforward. Despite the first tournament having been played in 1930, FIFA was still trying to find out what the best format for the World Cup was. This time, a round-robin format that was much simpler than the previous tournament was being used, but FIFA was still criticised for categorising the four pots that chose the groups. The four groups of four teams were chosen from four pots. Western Europe, Eastern Europe, Britain and the Americas. Scotland were drawn against Yugoslavia, Paraguay and France. Paraguay and Scotland would be considered the underdogs by those outside Britain, while France had assembled a good side and Yugoslavia were also viewed as being stronger than the Scots. Despite this, in Britain, it was expected that both England and Scotland would advance out of their respective groups. Nevertheless, a strong showing against all three sides would be required in order to reach the quarter-finals. Scotland's first game would come against Yugoslavia on the 8th of June 1958 at the Aris Valen Stadium in Vasteris. Dawson Walker's team that he put out that evening was Tommy Younger, Eric Caldo, John Huey, Bobby Evans, Doug Cowie, Eddie Turnbull, Graham Leggett, Jimmy Murray, Jackie Moody, Bobby Collins and Stuart Imlach. While Tommy Doherty had been Scotland's captain at the time, 
a row with the SFA secretary George Graham over an international match he had missed earlier in the year had meant he was left out of the teams in this tournament. Instead, Eddie Turnbull was made captain for this game. Scotland started poorly and lost a goal within six minutes of the game starting. A pass to Alexander Petakovic evaded John Huey and try as they might, Eric Caldo and Tommy Younger could not stop the Yugoslav shot. Yugoslavia 1, Scotland 0. At half-time, it was looking like more of the same from Scotland as despite their best efforts, they had gone behind and were yet to score a goal at a World Cup. Things changed in the 49th minute as a cross came in from Eddie Turnbull and Jimmy Murray was able to head the ball past the Yugoslav keeper into the net. Yugoslavia won, Scotland won and Murray had scored Scotland's first ever goal at a World Cup. The game ended in a creditable draw and Scotland had finally earned a point at a tournament against a decent side. The next match would come against Paraguay, who had been thrashed 7-3 by France, with the great Juste Fontaine scoring a hat-trick. Archie Robertson and Tommy Doherty had been sent by Dawson Walker on a scouting mission to watch this game, and came back with info on the two sides. They noted that despite the large loss, the Paraguayans looked rough and fit and good. The Evening Times quoted them as saying, There is nothing in this team that a good Scottish charge and a flash or two of real Scottish football will not quickly subdue. The Evening Times also seemed to put Scotland as the favourites for the group after just one match, a statement that definitely wouldn't come back to bite them, right? Playing hard men up front against the South Americans may have been a good idea, but Walker appeared to ignore Robertson and Doherty's advice and picked slight forwards. On the 11th of June 1958, Scotland lined up at Edrots Parkin in North Coping to play the Paraguayans. Walker chose eight of the 11 players who had started against the Yugoslavians with John Huey replaced by Alec Parker, Jimmy Murray replaced by Archie Robertson and Stuart Imlach replaced by Willie Fernley. Once again, the Scots lost an early goal in the fourth minute as a through ball from the midfield bypassed almost all the Scots to find Juan Bautista Aguero in the box, who put the ball into the bottom right of the goal. Paraguay 1, Scotland 0. The Scottish heads did not go down though, and in the 24th minute, Jackie Moody was fed the ball in the box and beat the goalkeeper to equalise with a low shot. Back on level terms and back in the game, it was Paraguay 1, Scotland 1. Just before half-time, disaster struck for Scotland, as Aguero this time turned provider for Cayetano Ray, crossing the ball to Ray in the box, who shot past Younger. At the break, it was Paraguay 2, Scotland 1. A cruel blow for the Scots. The second half remained a tight, competitive affair between the sides until the 73rd minute, 
corner for the Paraguayans led to a stramash in the box and Jose Parody stabbed the ball past Younger. Paraguay 3, Scotland 1, and surely game over. Or maybe not. Only a minute later, Bobby Collins had given Scotland hope as he fired an unsavable shot into the Paraguayan net. However, the game was beyond Scotland and it ended Paraguay 3, Scotland 2. After all the talk from the Glasgow press about Scotland being favourites to qualify, this result plus a 3-2 win for Yugoslavia over France meant qualification was now highly unlikely. Scotland would have to beat France and hope that Yugoslavia could beat Paraguay in order for them to finish second. The final game against France would be held at the Eravalen Stadium in Oribro on the 15th of June. For this match, Walker would ring the changes, playing this lineup: Bill Brown, Eric Caldo, John Huey, Bobby Evans, Dave Mackay, Sammy Baird, Eddie Turnbull, Jimmy Murray, Jackie Moody, Bobby Collins and Stuart Imlach. Bobby Evans was the captain on this occasion. Of the 25 players in the squad, five players played in all three matches. Caldo, Evans, Turnbull, Moody and Collins. Scotland were able to avoid losing an early goal in the match for a change, but in the 22nd minute, Just Fontaine crossed the ball perfectly into the box from almost the byline which beat Brown and allowed Ramon Coppa a tap-in. France won, Scotland nil, and it was all too easy for the French. Almost immediately after conceding, Scotland were awarded a penalty and had a fantastic chance to strike back. Up stepped John Huey to take the spot kick and hit the left post of Claude Abbe to keep the French in the lead. This would later prove to be a great chance spurned. Abbe was injured when Stuart Imlach challenged him for the ball in the box, but was allowed to continue after a large disagreement between the Scottish and French players on the park. Just before half-time, again disaster struck for Scotland. A French attack on the far side reached Juice Fontaine on the near side and he beat Brown to put the ball into the net. At the interval, it was France 2, Scotland 0. Two goals were required now to have any hope of getting through to the quarters. Hope came for Scotland in the second half as Sammy Baird received a through ball and shot powerfully into the French net. France 2, Scotland won. Had Huey put his penalty away earlier on, the Scots would have been level. But as it was, they still had lots to do. Try as Scotland might, they couldn't stop the French attacking in waves and came close to losing a third goal when a Fontaine shot hit off Brown's crossbar. When the Argentinian referee blew for full time, Scotland had lost 2-1 and finished last in the group. The French celebrated qualification while Scotland were left ruminating once again 
over what might have been. When recalling his days with Scotland in years to come, Tommy Doherty said that playing against the French forwards in the late 1950s was like playing greased lightning. The fact that England had drawn their three games and were also out was scant consolation, as both Wales and Northern Ireland were able to qualify. Wales lost 1-0 to Brazil and Northern Ireland lost 4-0 to France in the knockout stages, but both of them had gone one further than Scotland. Another Scot at the tournament was Jack Mott of Burnside, who refereed a 2-1 win for Sweden over Hungary. Mott was a well-known face for Scottish football fans who would later referee the famous 1960 European Cup final where Real Madrid defeated Eintracht Frankfurt 7-3 at Hampden Park. To this day, the referee chosen to officiate at the Scottish Cup final is given the Jack Mott Trophy. And so, after a disappointing tournament, the Scots flew home to Presswick Airport. Scotland's final opponent, France, came third after an exciting 6-3 victory over West Germany and Just Fontaine was awarded the Golden Boot for scoring 13 tournament goals. To date, no player has ever scored more goals in a single World Cup tournament. The final was a famous 5-2 win for Brazil against the host Sweden. The final capped off a memorable tournament for a young striker by the name of Edson Arantes do Nascimento, who would score a double in the final. If you've never heard that name before, you'll know him by his nickname, Pele. He would go on to win two more World Cups with Brazil in 1962 and 1970. What went wrong for Scotland? Not having their first choice manager in Matt Busby was a blow, and some of Dawson Walker's selections in the three games did not help. However, poor performances from many of the players against good opposition was also a factor in the poor results. Scotland were yet to record a win in the group stages and would be keen to qualify for the next tournament in 1962, which was to be held in Chile. Alas, while the 1960s would be a golden age for club football in Scotland, with teams competing at the highest level in Europe, it would ultimately prove to be a barren spell for the national team. At the start of the podcast, we asked you what the record win for the Scotland men's team was. The answer is an 11-0 win against Ireland at Celtic Park in 1901. Sandy McMahon and Robert C. Hamilton both scored four goals each. John W. Campbell scored a double and David Russell finished off the scoring. The men's team have a bit to go in order to match the record win for the Scotland women's team, however. In 1998, Scotland defeated Lithuania 17-0 at Scotstone in Glasgow as six players, including Pauline Hamill and Julie Fleeting, got their name on the score sheet. Thank you for listening to this edition of the Scottish Football Citizen. Subscribe to us on your favourite podcast platform so you never miss an episode. And join us again next week when we'll be looking back at more of the best of Scottish football from the past. If you'd like an extra football fix every Tuesday, you can subscribe to Football Memories Scotland's weekly newsletter, The Football Special and receive an email full of excellent pictures and stories from days gone by. To find out more, email lindsay at lindsay.hamilton at scottishfootballmuseum.com.
www.sportsfootballcitizen.org.uk The Scottish Football Citizen is written, edited and produced by Andy Kerr for Football Memories Scotland in association with Alzheimer's Scotland and the Scottish Football Museum. Additional contributions from Robert Harvey, Jim Orr, Lindsay Hamilton and Richard McVeerty. Additional material from the Glasgow Times, the Scottish Football Blog, These Football Times, BBC Sports Scotland, the Glasgow Herald, the Scottish Football Association and the Times of London.